In this world, only three things are certain. Death, taxes, and another Batman movie. Matt Reeves as the Batman has finally arrived in theaters, and with it comes a bevy of expectations and curiosity about the film's potential to launch yet another lucrative franchise. But the question is, do we need one? In a post-Christopher Nolan Batverse, how does this new incarnation of the Dark Knight and his cast of iconic criminals, corrupt cops, and immoral allies measure up? How will it feel for millions of fans to experience a new cinematic interpretation of a city famous for its ability to simultaneously attract and repulse us? And most importantly, does the movie have anything compelling to say about Bruce Wayne and the Batman, a character whose story we know so well, yet can't seem to get enough of? This is Mad Unreal, episode 45. Let's go. Unreal. We are back, back in the feed, still dealing with my issues of having more than two villains in a superhero film. I've seen the Batman. Isaac's seen the Batman. We haven't spoken about this film yet. So this is like all of our texts have been completely non-emotional, very stoic. <laughs> yes, no, when, now, all of that. All right. that. So all of the raw hype and, and 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 feelings is going to be absolutely genuine going through this reaction episode of Matt Reeves the Batman starring Robert Pattinson it's about to get emotional it's about to get emotional and and we're going to keep this like you know really lean and sparse and we're just going to take mad thoughts and just run through um just about maybe you know not a dozen or so just you know little points and um and we'll be out Mad so spoilers right ahead. Mad spoilers ahead. If you guys have not seen the movie, do not listen to this podcast yet. Put it on pause. Go see the film. Come back and listen to us. So full spoilers ahead. You have been warned. So as Isaac has alluded in his intro, did we need this new Batman film? Mm. Mm. Did Matt Reeves add something to the Batman cinematic canon? Let me, if I can, let me ask kind of like a precursor to that. Before you saw the film, when you heard about the film, that it was coming out, you know, a couple of years ago when you heard that they're making it, did you feel, the, did you, did you have, did that thought enter your mind at all? Like, um, do we need this? Or, I, you know, I'm cool with, I'm, you know, we just got outside of the DCEU, Bat, uh, Ben Affleck, you know, Batman stuff. Yeah. So did you have any of those thoughts when you heard about this film a couple of years ago, if you can remember? Well, I did mute my or temper my expectations, mm-hmm. um, but I did feel that we needed some kind of redemptive Batman film because the Affleck Batman that didn't gel with me. Mm-hmm. It they, those those films weren't. And full disclosure. I've not seen Justice League. Isaac has. I have not seen Justice League. I have seen oh, Superman I didn't know versus that. Batman. You never, neither ver, either version of them. The Snyder the black cut and white or, or the color version. No, <laughs> I have. Yeah, right. The Snyder, the cut. Snyder cut. Right, the black or white version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And it's not out of. It, it's honestly not out of spite. It's just like okay, uh, three hours of this. Four or, hours, I believe. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about three hours of the new Batman. Yeah, versus four hours of Snyderverse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, well, no, no. I mean, I forgot that it was four hours, but yeah, it's like four hours of Justice League or can I spend four hours actually doing something else? <laughs> doing anything else? <laughs> I think I might mess it up for you because then I text you after I sat through four hours because I think I split it over two nights, but I remember texting you uh-huh. like, I cannot, I forgot what I said, but I was just like in disbelief. Um that you know yeah. I, I i think that the snyder cut obviously has a lot of fans but i just was not one of them so i think i text you to that effect and uh that might have ruined it for you yeah so you know it, they weren't superman versus batman it wasn't it wasn't as bad as say the later films from the first early 90s late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. era mm-hmm. um yeah it wasn't like Nipplegate or anything like that. Batman Forever it just, and Batman and Robin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, you know, it just didn't, it just wasn't it. It didn't, it didn't do it you for know, you. It just wasn't, it just, yeah, it just wasn't it for me. So, 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 um, I tempered expectations. I was very suspect about, about Pattinson, um, in the, you know, in the costume. Um, but looking at some of the other films that Pattinson had done post- Eclipse and well, post the Twilight, the Twilight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, oh wait, he you know he really he really can do varied characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was you know I was cool, and you know, and then we heard that that um, Zoe Kravitz was going to be in it as Selena Kyle, mm-hmm. um, Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon. You and I had done a Madden reel show about a black the concept the idea of a black commissioner gordon and we'll get to that in this show Mm -hmm. um so so there were there were several boxes that were getting ticked off on my list Mm -hmm. that made me feel a lot better going into this but you started you started purposefully at a point of kind of like of non-committal but open like you were like yeah when you know, yeah, we need we need something. So I I, I hope this can be it. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest thing that I was really worried about is that this was going to somehow directly tie in to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. I was I was a little worried about that because mm-hmm. so, I did not see that really working. So now, after seeing this film, do you to answer the question? Do you feel did you feel it was needed and did it add something to the, to the au revoir, to the Batman cinematic canon? I think it did. I think it did add to it. I think it added and that this, this leaned into the roots of Batman being a detective, mm-hmm. the world's greatest detective. Um, and at the risk of, you know, preempting our, you know, our walking talking points. Um, but at the risk of, you know, spoiling our talking points, I would say that Pattinson's Batman is a step in the right direction of him becoming the world's greatest detective. Mm-hmm. This film doesn't establish that. This film provides the foundation mm-hmm. for that. Which is something that, you you know, previously, I think it was fair to say, especially in the live action films um had been hinted at but was never really established mm-hmm. um they try i think specifically dark knight really tried to hint at it you know having him do some investigative work but it was it was never really um they didn't lean into it as hard as you as you know i think some fans may have wanted is that is kind of that's that's fair right yeah that's fair mm-hmm. it's absolutely fair 
um, I mean, last point about it, the, in the mono, in the opening monologue, Pattinson's voiceover, you hear him saying it's been two years. Basically, it's been two years since I've been doing this. Right. You know, so this is year three Batman. still a young Batman. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have full confidence of the police. He's still, he's still, you know, borderline suspect for, for all this shit jumping off. At <laughs> eventually, they end up shooting at him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll get to that. But eventually, yeah, they end up shooting at him. Yeah. You know, and then by the end of the film. It's 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 clear that if nothing else, he's got the respect of the police. Mm-hmm. He's got the respect of those officers who are, you know, not corrupt that we know of. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's got that. He's got the respect. Mm-hmm. They may not necessarily feel comfortable fully with him around, mm-hmm. but they know that they know whose side he's on. Right. You say that. Right. The ambiguity's gone. I think you know. For me, it's interesting because Batman as a character and more so as a canvas, you know, mm-hmm. um, for other, he, he's reached that point of being a canvas, I should say. In other words, he is a character now that I think other to, to say, okay, well, do we need a new Batman film? Probably not. You know, it, you know, we're just going to be, you know, uh-huh. whatever. It's like, you'd want to be really technical about it. Yeah, probably not. We good. But I think Batman has reached the point of being a canvas. So, his story has become so ingrained upon not just fandom, but culture in general, that mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like inviting to other artists to come and put take their, you know, give their interpretation of that same story. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. little kid goes to the movies, parents get killed. He, you know, mm-hmm. dedicates his life to vengeance, basically um, borderline, you know maybe a little bit psychotic you know it's like you, there's all types of things the directions it goes in you got the rogues gallery you got all the everything you know mm-hmm. all those kind of like standard batman tropes the gadgets the cave you know all these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. it's a canvas now so this is matt reeves you know first installment of his interpretation of that story of that narrative that we all know so well um so I think to say, do we need another Batman film? Probably not. But I'm I'm like you. I was really open to it because, oh, it's just another take on it. Um, did it add something to the canon or to the um, to the to the uh, to what we know to be this, you know, kind of like, again, this iconic canvas or this iconic legacy? I, w- I guess I would agree with you that, yeah, film wise, this is the first time we've seen as much detective work, you know, as much. Um, outside of just, you know, beating the hell out of people, we actually saw In fact, I think they they kind of went away from the fighting a lot. You know, he, he, there was a lot of fighting in the, mo- in the, exactly. in the film. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. they really yeah. kind of, there's a lot of talking. That's a surprise. There's, there's a, lot, a of talking. lot of dialogue. There's a lot of him standing around looking at things. And yep. you slowly yep. started to see the wheels turn and him, you know, kind of things connecting the dots. So, yeah, it was it was I think that layer, I agree with you, that layer got added. And that's something I enjoyed as a, you know, someone who loves that genre of detective um, stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that part. So as far as, you know, we'll get into it in a minute. But as far as the other, you know, outside of the detective stuff, as far as, you know, Gotham City and the world of Gotham City and the other characters and the nuances and this and that, I think to varying degrees, it did a good job of, you know, adding layers there. Um, but I think this one, the, the one that jumped out to me, of course, was like, you know, this detective thing. I will say this, mm-hmm. though, before we get into the whole mad thoughts of everything. 
this is a movie that I feel like I need personally. I need to see it again. Like I came out of the theater. Mm -hmm, My mm -hmm. son was like, what did you think? And I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to see that again. Cause I, to wrap my mind around, first of all, it is three hours long. Um, and it's a lot of story. Um, there's a lot of kind of like subtle twists and turns and, you know, things happening through dialogue or things being revealed. And it's like, if you're looking at one part, you may miss something over here. And in other words, if you're paying attention to the cinematography, you may miss some of the writing. If you're paying attention to all the writing, you may miss some of the, you know, it's like, you need to consume this, this movie again. So everything I'm going to say for the next hour or so, I kind of put that asterisk on it that my opinion, you know, may change, you know, next week um, on some of these things. Well, let's get right into it then. Um, Let's start off with Batman himself, Robert Pattinson. Um, I mean, we commented on the, you know, the world's greatest detective mm-hmm. and um, to kind of double down on my saying that this lays the foundation for that. I I liked Pattinson. I liked Pattinson a lot as Batman. Mm-hmm. I didn't like him so much as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of that had to do with Pattinson's character portrayal as Batman, the presence of Batman mm-hmm. made the standing around looking at stuff really work because you still felt, and part of that was the other actors, mostly the policemen, kind of reacting to Batman even being there right? with Gordon. Mm-hmm. You know, dude's really good at riddles, <laughs> right? But he would just like say stuff, you know. Like, Y'all missed it. Like, Arthur you know, just looked at the camera in the way the same way that, that Robert Pattinson, that was, that was a good Robert Pattinson. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah. right there that was nice <laughs> but there's that early scene where he looks at at the crime scene early in the movie where he looks yeah he's looking at that blood pattern and yeah. simply because he's looking for so long at it that uh, crime scene photographer came comes over and she's like i need to take another picture of that because dude like he's yeah because his clearly, presence I you know it's like yeah i missed uh-huh, the miss something because yeah. the batman's staring at it so now i need to miss it i get you i get what you're saying right there yeah and i think that was that was a very subtle a good uh, a good example of a very subtle acting technique that mm-hmm. he kind of imbued the whole movie with. Um, yeah, because I don't think Batman. those scenes would have really worked. They would have seemed long mm-hmm. in some cases. So what? Do you, so what did you? Because here's the thing, though, and I know we're going to talk in a minute about him being Bruce Wayne, but he wasn't. Was he only a detective when he was Batman, or was he? And we should we should admittedly or say this at the front: mm. Batman was in this movie a lot, like. Batman yeah. versus Bruce Wayne, it was like 90% Batman. It's like Bruce right. Wayne's in the movie like right. 10% of the time. It was like mostly Batman right. through this whole movie. He had much right. more dialogue than I think any Batman, um, probably since uh, 60s, um, you know, uh, Batman animated television series. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. seen that much dialogue come from him in the suit. You know, um, he had a mm-hmm. lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So, mm, yeah, yeah, in the suit. Uh huh. So did you get the vibe that he was, the you know, in the detective vein, was he only the detective when he was Batman or did you get that vibe from him overall as, um, and again, I know we're going to talk about Bruce Wayne specifically mm, in a minute, yeah. but was it just then when he was Batman or what? I got to be honest with you. He was the detective whenever he had some kind of covering over his face. Mm-hmm. If he had a motorcycle <laughs> helmet on, he mm-hmm. was the detective. If he had the cowl on, he right. was the detective. You know, whenever he was behind something, behind <laughs> those goggles, right. just, yeah, he yeah. was, you know, he was a detective mm-hmm. and in that mode. And it was almost like um, 
I don't want to live in any comparison with the Nolan films, but in the sense that that Nolan's Bruce Wayne kind of portrayed this playboy to keep up appearances, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if the real Bruce Wayne was the suit mm-hmm. or if it was the act of this brooding, grunge-infused, mm-hmm. mopey character. Bruce Wayne. Mm. Mopey, that's a good word. Yeah. Let's get to okay, so let's get to Bruce Wayne in a second. Really quick to quickly though, because I want to talk about that Mopey comment. Batman himself though, the fighting skills. How did you feel about his fighting skills in this film? I like the fight sequences. I like mm. the fight sequences a lot. Um I had a little difficulty that he was actually able to take the full force of a bomb going off mm. a foot in front of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, not be hospitalized. I mean, granted, <laughs> he did wake up in the police in the police station. <laughs> right. So right. there was that. Um, but because my thing was like, OK, you know, this is like I've seen like the Hurt Locker. Right. And so when the when when those soldiers are out there defusing bombs, they got a full on <laughs> chunky padded yeah. bodysuit. Right. Right. You know, and dudes out there in a suit that he can actually run and fight and jump around in. How exactly how heavy is that suit that he can? Take that kind of suspension blast. of disbelief, Arthur. L- listen, Iron Man. Iron Man gets thrown a hun- a thousand feet. Now he's in a suit. <laughs> I understand uh, yeah. how the suit's okay, but how is he okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, okay, suspension. that's fair. So what that's about fair. what about you get into? Okay, so fighting skills. I'm with you. I like the fight scene. I I do wish the and I've said this before. I think on this podcast, but the best fight, best Batman fight scene I've seen is the Ben Affleck. Uh, uh, Batman v Superman, the warehouse scene near the end of the film mm. when Batman goes mm. in there and he's like fighting like you know all them dudes. It's very brutal. Some of it is un Batman mm. and the fact that he's literally killing people. Um, mm-hmm. But it is very the his speed, his brute force, and his skill all come together in that in that moment. To me, this film and the Batman, I, I enjoyed his fighting skills in this film. I do wish he was faster, and I say that. I know it's like a mm-hmm. a nitpick, but I do wish if you look at like a, one thing the Bourne films did really well is show how fast this this man was. You know, he yeah. wasn't just skillful. Part of his, mm-hmm. you know, part of the reason he was able to survive was his speed. And I think when you're talking about someone, um, obviously none of this is real, but even in the unreal to make us believe that a man without any super abilities, you know, he's not. Mm-hmm. Superman, he's not Green Lantern, he's not the Flash. For him to survive as a superhero, he has to be the absolute best fighter. Um, Daredevil mm-hmm. Netflix series did it very well to show you mm-hmm. the skill mm-hmm. of Matt Murdock. In fact, they had other characters comment on his skill. Electra was like, You're the best fighter I've ever known. Stick mm-hmm. said, You know, he's the most gifted natural fighter I've ever trained. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you understood that Matt Murdock isn't just good at what he does. He's one of the best, you know, saying ever to do. He's naturally gifted. And that's the same way I think Bruce Wayne is. It's like, yeah, any of us could go off for 10 years and learn some skills. But he went off for 10 years, learned those skills, soaked them up and brought them to a level. um, this unimaginable level because that's he's just naturally gifted in that way. And so I I wanted to see some of that Jason Bourne-esque, you know, Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. and the warehouse scene, um, that speed, you know. So I wanted that. But. That's again, that's a nitpick. Overall, I really enjoy the fighting skills. Um, 
in this film. And also, you know, he has this movie started. It's not an origin story. So we didn't get all of the hey, this dude was trained by a secret society of ancient secret society of um, ninjas. You know, we didn't get that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so yeah. we're just to assume that, you know, he's he's trained for a long time, that he's around 30 years old. He's trained for all these years and gotten these skills. Um, so, but he didn't have the advantage of us seeing him learn those skills. So when we see him fighting, we're just bringing our assumptions to it. So, but I, overall, I'm with you. I thought they did it well. How did you feel about the gadgets though? The bat gadgets, the bat, including... The car and the motorcycle, um, the thing, the flying thing, all that stuff. How did you feel about it? So I liked, I liked the gadgets. Um, I liked how the gadgets, well, particularly how his breastplate, the bat, mm-hmm. was a knife. That I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, I liked the bodysuit, the glider. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't like that, but go ahead. <laughs> that's that's one thing I did not like. Yeah, go ahead though. I liked how his utility belt was featured. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to get out. Like Batman always had something else mm-hmm. that he could pull out to be able to get him out of a situation. Right. And I want to just speak on the fighting style because I agree with you that he wasn't he wasn't the super fighter. Um. In the same way that I don't feel that he that this is the world's greatest detective yet, mm-hmm. but what I did notice was it felt like it was his it was his intuition and the decisions that he made that compensated for the speed. Mm-hmm. A lot of close combat that he was doing. The the great man. One of my favorite scenes is when toward the end in Falcone's penthouse, all the lights are out and you only see Batman because of. The, the machine gun, gun fire yeah. that's yeah, going on, you know, yeah. and the way that he's, you know, he's misdirecting fire, he's he's taking fire, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it just it 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 worked for me because he's always thinking it through, um, and that kind of made it like why did he like if if nobody else guessed the riddle, like dude was guessing the Riddler's riddles. Mm. on the fly throughout the entire film. So mm. this is like the world's greatest riddles, riddles, riddle solver <laughs> that we've right. ever seen. Right. It all sort of tied together for me. Um, How would you feel about the so, car? So, okay. That was the greatest Batmobile reveal I've ever seen on film. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Mm. Was it better? And for two reasons. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. ask your question because I think I, I know what you're going to say. I, I was well. I was about to say, was it better than the tum or the uh, not the uh, tumbler, but the actual um, the bat pod popping out of the tumbler? You know that moment in the Dark Knight. I was going to ask you. You remember when he, the the tumbler is basically destroyed? Yeah, and we're yeah, all like, oh yeah. shit, what's he going to do? And then and the bat pod him, like huh? pops out. <laughs> it was like what? It was like hold on, we didn't know. I nobody saw that coming. So, but you feel like this was the best reveal, okay? Yeah, because you see. You see that he's building a car. Mm-hmm. You see car parts. Yeah, you see it in the background. In the back cave. Yeah. So you know the car is coming. And, and, I, and I think that, and we'll get to this a little bit later in terms of how I feel that Reeves leaned into the elephant in the room, which were the note, which was the Nolan trilogy, the Nolan films. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, we know that there's going to be a Batmobile. So we're not going to even necessarily tease that. We're going to give you the elements of the car 
you know, and 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 explain and, and not even explain justify that's why he's riding a motorcycle because car's not done yet, mm, right? You know? <laughs> still, um, still working on the car after two. And years. the car itself is just a rugged. I mean, it looked like something that would be in a Mad Max film. Mm, mm-hmm. It's light. It's powerful. It's loud. Mm. Yeah, it's dope. It's it's the for me the Tumblr is still the best Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is number two for me. Yeah, I th- I think for me, um, and you know, we don't like we said at the beginning before we started taping. Let's not make this you know Reeves versus Nolan. But I think it is apropos sometimes that you know there's certain things that you you know because that was because the Nolan trilogy is the one that's not only the most recent full trilogy it's also probably the most impactful and most important one in the batman canon you know in terms of Mm -hmm. cinema so um it's unavoidable and i I think though there are some things that i wish because i understand that for reeves it's like yeah i want to make my own stamp even in and even for warner brothers because they want like you said they're selling funko pops they're selling toys they don't want to just do the same stuff that christopher nolan did you got to do new stuff so we can we know so we Mm -hmm. can make this its own thing there are a couple of things I do wish they would have just taken from the Nolan thing. And one of them is that the flying, I did not like that rat, that suit. He zip up the thing he did. I didn't like it at mm-hmm. all because mm-hmm. it looked weird. For one thing, you notice, you notice the camera never really showed the full suit he had on. I think it showed like one shot of it and then he jumps and you kind of yeah. get it really quickly because it did not look cool. You know, that full, they've, I've seen that in the comics uh, somewhere and that full type zip mm-hmm. up suit, it doesn't look cool. Um, at least it, I mean, it looks I, like a onesie. Yeah, at least the one I saw looks like a onesie. So mm-hmm. that, and it's probably more realistic as a glider than the Nolan stuff, um, than the wings. You know, the uh, I forgot the name of those uh, things that that Wayne Tech um, that Lucius Fox you know introduced them to in, in the Batman Begins. But for spelunking, I think it was that's that's what it was for. Mm-hmm. But um, that that scene I thought was, it was dope, but it was like the way they filmed it. You know, it looked kind of it looked it looked like almost like an 80s film for a second you know because the way they shot it and it was like he was at the top of the screen gliding and you really just saw his face and it was it was kind of weird i did appreciate it was the, weird i did appreciate the fact that he crashed at the end because like you said this is second yep. year batman he's still learning his stuff so that made sense mm-hmm. um but i do wish they would have just because if you compare that to hong kong sequence um in dark yeah. night when he jumps off you know and he has the, you see him gliding that just looks yeah. much more more cool. So I do wish they would have stolen that. But I, other than that, you know, I love the lenses, the the contact lenses that he had, which recorded, you know, mm-hmm. everything he saw, which completely yeah. made sense. You know, of course he would need something yeah. like that. Um, which, by the way, and we'll get to this. We didn't mention this when we talked about Pattinson's Batman, but he is that, you know, him taking out his contact lenses, watching the films and then doing those detailed, you know, journal notes, which, of course, mm-hmm. work as a parallel later to what we find out about the Riddler and his journals um, mm-hmm. that hinted at Batman's kind of like borderline psychosis. You know, this dude is he's kind of mm-hmm. out there. He's borderline. He's definitely obsessed, but he's mm-hmm. very close to that line of going from, you know, an obsession into some form of psychosis, you know, Um because he's, you know, he's journaling all this stuff based on what he gets, all the information he gets off of his uh, contact lens. But I did like that as a gadget. I'm with you. I like the the, che- the chest plate um, working as, yeah. you know, something he could use. Um, he took some, you know, a couple of bombs and stuff out of his utility belt. Um, I like the look of that bat, that motorcycle he had. It reminded me of the old school, like, you know, um, 60s or 70s bat. Um, mm-hmm. Like with the sort of the bat. 
yeah, cowl, yeah, yeah, the cowl as it, yeah. the as the um um the framing of the actual motorcycle. So the bat cycle, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. It reminded me of the old bat cycles, which I thought was cool. Um, I did like the Batmobile. I liked it a lot. I, you know, I'm with you. Tumblr is still my favorite one because I'm like, if I need to go up against some people, I want a tank. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's yeah, an assault vehicle. <laughs> right. I want an assault vehicle. I want something like that that can go on rooftops, that can just roll over everybody else, you know. Um, but I this this Batmobile I thought was a really um it fit this world and it really fit Pattinson mm-hmm. and I just thought it was a really um interesting and daring take on Reeves's part to go in this route, you know, with this Batmobile. Yeah. Um, and I like the reveal. I'm, I think, the you know, it wasn't my favorite, but I do like that. I like the reveal because it was like almost like this beast that was kind of in the distance and it was growling. Right. And Penguin right. and his boys look over there and they're like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and it's just like, and it's just like getting ready. I, and it's I like, really go ahead. Yeah. I, and forgive me for talking over you. No, but go ahead. I, I really, really liked the DIY aspect of the Batmobile. Mm hmm. You figure you know that he couldn't make the contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Maybe he made the the breastplate because mm-hmm. he's clearly got some machinist skills. Mm-hmm. But that car is pure his aesthetic, and it's foreshadowed when he rolls up for the for the deceased mayor's memorial in yeah, uh, yeah. a mid sixties Stingray. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You're right. That's that's an excellent point. It's his, his aesthetic. Yeah, that's a good. That's an yeah. excellent point. Yeah, it fits him. And for Nolan's Tumblr, it's a reveal based on tech that was created for another. Per- it was repurposed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As was a lot of his stuff. Yeah, as a lot of his his stuff. And nothing's wrong with that. But I just think that here, that Batmobile is clearly something that belongs to Bruce Wayne. That his his you know, his own personal DNA, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Is in that vehicle based on taste, based on like this, you know, his, what he fantasizes about and, mm-hmm. and, um, it, it matches his personality. Did you like the, uh, when the he bat- puts on that cowl. Did you like the Batcave? Um, I like the Batcave. Mm-hmm. I like the Batcave. I got to tell you though, nice touch, but I thought the actual bats living in the cave was mm-hmm. a little over the top. I mean, well, they had, you know, they've lived in, they lived in the cave in uh in the Nolan verse and I think in the uh whatchamacallit in the um Tim Burton Batman, I believe they lived in the cave too. So I you know, I like the Batcave. I wish that it was under a Wayne Manor. You know, I wasn't really I've seen this before in the comics and I think a couple animated mm-hmm. series where he lives in like, you know, the the Wayne Tower downtown instead of in Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. I get why it had to be in Wayne Tower this time because it's just, you know it's an underground um, repurp like you said it's a repurposed or shut down um, transit tunnel transit station yeah. you know and it's yeah. so I get why it's downtown but yeah I, I, I'm a I guess I'm a traditionalist in the sense of I want Wayne Manor um, this place and plus mm-hmm. Wayne Tower it looked like Tribune Tower man it looked like you know it was so gothic it looked like it just looked like super gothic like how could you ever be comfortable yeah. in that how place it was like so ostentatious right yeah. i felt like i would if i took the wrong turn i would cut myself on something you know it's like immediate it was just like all those jagged <laughs> yeah. i was like what the hell is it looked uh, like you were inside of a church bell or something it was just, it just looked weird so <laughs> um but yeah i did i did like the back cave so before we move strictly into bruce wayne let me ask you how did the way the gotham city itself and specifically the police the way they related to batman in this movie was very different than the other films in the sense that this dude is literally in you know crime scenes he's at the police station mm-hmm. surrounded by 100 cops you know he's mm-hmm. just he's hanging out you know it's like he's just 
he's there a lot more. Whereas in some of the other films, I guess in the Schumacher universe, um, he did the same thing. You know, they, it was so it was it was very campy, but he did spend a lot of time with Gordon and the other cops. But it was kind of weird for me to watch him, you know, just be there, you know, and it's like, yeah, they show some because you remember when he walked up first, dude was like, you know, put his chest on. He's like, Gordon, you're not going to let this guy in. You know, it's like, yeah. So there was some of that. But it also it just felt weird to me that, you know, they're surrounding him in that little in that jail cell and having a conversation with him. You know, just Batman is just so mysterious and kind of out in this other place that. In the comics, um, a lot of times he's kind of like this here. He's here, but he's not there. You know, it's like he's here, but he's not here. You could blink and he'll yeah. be gone. You know, it's like that's how it yeah. feels. So how how did that how did that hit you? Um, well, we saw some of that in 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 the Batman um, once at the Riddler spot. Um, and another time when he's with Gordon. Oh, when they're when they're at the orphanage. Mm hmm. And they're watching Thomas Wayne and Gordon turns and says something and Batman's just gone. Um, that didn't work for me for the mm. same reason. Like, well, wait, all this other time he's, you know, he's, he's, he's like there, you see him come, you mm. see him go. Maybe you don't necessarily <laughs> see where he came from, but you. Right. He's like, oh, he's officer Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then he's on the all scene. Of a sudden he just disappears, you know, at will. It that didn't really, it seemed a little imbalanced, it seemed mm. kind of convenient. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I never got the feeling that huh, I never got the feeling that he felt he wanted to save the city. Mm-hmm. I did feel that he wanted to I felt more that he wanted to redeem the Wayne name in his father's vision Mm-hmm. But I never felt that he had to save Gotham. Mm-hmm. This this Batman was more interested in in personal redemption mm-hmm. than the redemption of a city. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and I think we we can get more into that when we talk more about Gotham. But that is interesting. I think I may agree with you as well. Um, before we talk about Bruce, though, one last thing about Batman and how he relates to Gotham and the cops. And also this ties into the gadgets when that, that scene where he is in the, after, like you said, after he's dealt with the bomb and then he wakes up in the jail cell with all those cops. Mm -hmm. That's one other point where I wish they would have just used a Nolan slash comic gadget where a lot of times when, and especially in the comics, when you try to remove his cow, it electrically, it shocks you. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. it happened in The Dark Knight. One of Joker's goons tried to remove his cow and it shocked him. Right. Because yeah. it would have made sense to me. Because if you if Batman is unconscious, you're going to take him from that scene, move him to the police station. Before you do anything, you're taking that cow off. You know what I'm saying? You're going to yeah. see who he is. So taking that the cow off inside the church. Right. Exactly. <laughs> before you even move him, before you even see if he's alive, you taking the cow off to see who this dude is. So that I feel like that was a plot hole, you know, and it's like they do eventually. Yeah. And when he wakes up, they do it. But I'm like, why would you wait for him? So that was one of those things. I really wish they would have used one of the old gadgets and shown one of the detectives or officers trying to remove it. And they get shocked. And it's like, we can't get this guy's cowl off. So anyway, let's talk about Bruce Wayne. The thing about Bruce Wayne that got me and you, you alluded to this earlier was that he makes in the filmmakers and the, the writers, Matt Reeves and his, uh, I think it's uh, Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, they make a decision that 
this Batman, this Bruce Wayne has made the definitive decision to be Batman 24 seven. Now in other Batman um, properties, Mm -hmm. in fact, there's one clip that's been going around um, YouTube and Twitter recent, uh, the last couple of days from uh, beyond Batman beyond where um, older Bruce Wayne says, you know, I never, when I think about myself, I don't think about myself as Bruce Wayne, you know? So he's Mm -hmm. saying, I, I, you know, I think about myself as Batman. So in this film, they made the decision early um, or they made the the writing decision or, you know, to show Bruce Wayne, tell Alfred through subtext, listen, I don't care about any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Any of that yeah. Bruce Wayne, Wayne, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Christian Bale. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not going out there because yeah. even in Batman Begins, Christian Bale told Alfred in that movie, he said, I don't care about my family name. You know, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. this birthday party don't mean nothing to me. I, I need to go do this. But he at least, mm-hmm. thought, you know, he at least gave the illusion. This bat or this mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne is not even going to that length. You know, he's like, I don't care about any of that. I'm not doing I'm this 24 seven. I'm going out at night doing all this stuff. Then I'm coming back mm-hmm. here journaling, you know, and I may get some sleep, eat a little food. And then I'm going back out the next night. So mm-hmm. how did you feel about his decision to be Batman 24 seven Bruce Wayne's decision? Did that work for you in the context of this film? Not so much because it was sometimes hard for me to believe that this Bruce Wayne is the same guy that's in the suit. Because the the resolve was so different. Like I referred to him as, as sort of a, a brooding mopey even. Mm-hmm. At, on at least two occasions, I actually thought that Andy Serkis, who plays Alfred, was going to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> Put him over his knee. <laughs> and not, you know, not discrediting anything about the sense of loss that he's still grappling with. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was, I felt like this Batman was trying to basically solve all this corruption issue so that his father's vision mm-hmm. could move forward as Bruce Wayne believed was intended. Mm-hmm. But when he was Bruce Wayne, I felt like he just sort of like had this disdain over his father's legs. So it was just a disconnect for me mm. in terms of the portrayal of, of Bruce Wayne and the, you know, and the portrayal of this Bruce Wayne as Batman. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got- yeah. I, I think I, I agree with you, but I think for me, it really, it didn't like, I didn't have as much trouble like, and you know, switching back. He was just Batman 24 seven to me. You know, and to me, it was like, Mm. if I, it's difficult because it didn't present any issues to me in terms of him being Batman, but I definitely didn't get, I guess I am agreeing with you because I definitely didn't get a sense of Bruce Wayne in this film. I say that saying that I didn't get a sense of the traditional Bruce Wayne, this Bruce Wayne, and maybe the next film, he'll be different. Maybe next film, he'd be like, listen, if I really want to do this, you know, and continue doing this for as long as I need to do it then I am going to have to be somebody different when I'm Bruce Wayne. Because when we, we, of, came yeah. out, we came out of the theater, we were joking that it was surprised us that nobody guessed his identity because dude was like Batman 24-7 at the funeral. Right. He's right. standing right. there. Car comes in. He's standing there. You know, the dude jumps out, comes out the car, and he's got the bomb attached to him. Everybody else is like ready to, you know, trying to get out of there. They're at the end of the, near the exits. He's standing there, you know, shoulders, shoulders back, yeah. you know what I'm <laughs> chest out. It's like, yeah. that's Batman. Yeah. You know, somebody looked at him and be like, you know, he kind of stands like he's, he has, you know, it's like, is that Batman? You know, it's like he yeah. had that same 
air about him. So I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Yeah. It, it worked for me in the sense that I, I felt like that was a conscious decision on the part of the writers to say this Batman or this Bruce Wayne has not gotten to the point where he feels like he needs to put on a masquerade. Now, again, mm-hmm. not to make constant comparisons, but Nolan, Chris, Chris, Christian Bale's Batman had, we saw him learn from the League of Shadows that misdirection you know, is a very powerful weapon that, you know, making somebody mm-hmm. think something mm-hmm. else while you're doing that's that's part of being a ninja. That's part of those the, the dark, you know, the, the dark arts or whatever they call it, of being a ninja. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he had learned that, oh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be, you know, uh, travel, you know, running around on rooftops at night. I can just distract everybody from ever guessing who I really am by being this playboy. This Batman is not doing that. So he's his yeah. his and, and it heightens, it raises his level of obsession and kind of like, like I said, kind of borderline psychosis where it's like he's journaling all this stuff. It's like he's just constantly in this. He looks like he hasn't had any type of social interaction forever for two years. You know, he looks like or he sleep hasn't. for that matter. <laughs> right. Or sleep. And also just one last point, because we got to pick up the pace. So let's uh, jump in the rest of these. But one last point for me on Batman I think that the aesthetic of him, you know, in this film, the people, the two, Matt Reeves is uh, 55 years old. I think that's Gen X. That may be, I don't know, is that lower baby boomer or like, I don't know, but that, let's just say Gen X. Peter mm-hmm. Craig, 52 Gen X. These, they come from, you know, they remember that 90s era of kind of grunge and, you know, that look. It's mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. not just the Nirvana song that, you know, you hear throughout this this movie there's a deep aesthetic of that type of that era in this film, you know, and I feel like that greatly informs Bruce Wayne, you know, who he is, um, his aesthetic and his, the way he, you know, like you said, is it mopiness or is it that kind of disillusionment, you know, that's, um, you know, uh, smells like teen spirit type of, you know what I'm saying? Is is it all that, you know, is it, is that's what, that's kind of, Batman is the adult, Bruce mm. Wayne is the child. Right. But it, to me, it was more than that, though. It wasn't just him being a child. It was him. Again, it was just like he's never not thinking about him, all the stuff that he is. It's like even when he's Bruce Wayne, he's constantly thinking about his Batman stuff. And mm-hmm. I did. I did. Admittedly, I did kind of get tired, you know, halfway through the movie. I did get kind of tired of him, you know, moving really slow as Bruce Wayne and looking around and kind of especially in the scene and the um the uh, hospital scene with Alfred, you know, and it's just like, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. talking really low and you lied to me, Alfred. It's like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, I just wanted to shake him and be like, you know, yell or something, you know what I'm saying? You mad, you know, mm-hmm. do something else other than the mopey thing. But mm-hmm. I, it, it, in a weird way, it kind of worked for me. Um, so I wasn't mad at it. So I, you know, his Bruce Wayne in this film, just, you know, to summarize for me, it was appropriate for the story they were telling. I do hope that in the sequel to this, we get a different Bruce Wayne and we get more Bruce Wayne. Cause I feel like I got so much Batman as film. I really didn't get as much Bruce Wayne as I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to see a more fully realized Bruce Wayne, you know, in the next film. Um, all right. So let's, let's go through the rest of these fairly quickly. Selena Kyle. Is she Arthur? Is she the most fully realized Catwoman we've seen? Yes. Yes. She had way more to work with. Zoe Kravitz had way more to work with than Anne Hathaway, for example. I like that Selena Kyle had her own agenda, mm-hmm. her own personal connection to all of this. She didn't necessarily have to be convinced or persuaded to help Batman. I mean, mm-hmm. he he persuaded her, a, a, you know, a, he did persuade her a little bit, but, you know, she stood on her own terms based on her own needs. Mm-hmm. 
um, I thought that um, her, I thought that her her story of being Falcone's daughter, on the face of it, seemed a little on the nose, as you mm. would say, mm. um, but still worked for me in the given context mm. of the story. Yeah, I would say, first of all, anybody who hasn't seen um, the animated film Batman The Long Halloween, which obviously the the graphic novel, the, the series The Long Halloween and Batman Year One, maybe A Little Dark Knight, um, Batman, uh, I think it's uh, Earth One. Uh, there's there's several different comics that, you know, obviously influence the story that we get in this Batman mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. But I would also say, if you haven't seen the animated film, um, especially it's a two-parter, I think it came out last year, uh, The Long Halloween, based on the graphic novel. The first part, um, I would absolutely recommend, it's on HBO Max, I absolutely recommend everybody see it. The second part is good too, but that first part is excellent. And it lays a lot of the foundation. In fact, Falcone in particular refers to some things that happened in uh, the Long Halloween uh, cartoon or the uh, animated movie. So, for Selena Kyle, I'm with you. I really liked her. I think that her um this is the most fleshed out we've gotten, I think. Um I mean the, you know, the uh Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman was fleshed out as well in a completely different way. Um completely different narrative, different uh backstory, but um she was very fleshed out in her motivations. In fact, she probably her 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 um narrative I think even was more pronounced in that film than Bruce Wayne's in that same film. Um, but yeah, this, this cat woman I enjoyed, I do wish if you met her, if you're Batman and you meet this, this, um, this chick jumping out windows and, you know, doing what she does mm-hmm. and fighting with it, wouldn't you at some point be like, where did you learn all this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yes. Wouldn't you at some point be like, how did you, you know, cause yes. she's there, she doesn't have superpowers and this, you know, nope. some incarnations of the cat woman do, you know, has those super abilities of, you know, mm-hmm. um, agility and strength, but she doesn't. Uh, so at some point I thought I thought he would ask her that, you know, but I, I liked her in this film. I really liked um, I thought there was some chemistry between them. I wanted a, another not necessarily another scene, but a little bit more of the romance between them. Um, but I, I like yeah. how I like how I thought you for one thing, I definitely thought they should have kissed at the end. I'm like, well, where's the kiss? You know, it was like the music was there. The moment was there. Everything was there except for the kiss. But I enjoyed the aesthetic between her and or the um, dynamic between her and Batman um, especially when she tells him, you know, the cat and the bat, you know, we could, we could go do some fun things. Um, I like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure she's returning for the next film, but I think, um, we haven't seen the last of her. All right. The Riddler. I agree. And I think the kick, not her, not giving him the kiss was sort of like the opening. Like there's still some, mm-hmm. some that was a dope last scene, yeah. man. When they, you know, her mm-hmm. riding away, him looking in the rear view and seeing her, um, until mm-hmm. she disappeared in the mist. And then, him kind of like, and the whole reason, you know, she's just like, Gotham is not worth saving. It's and it's, it's irredeemable. And him like, no, mm-hmm. I've got to try. That was a good note. That was a good story beat because it shows he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. um, from, you know, he's changed a little bit and understanding that, okay, I haven't done what I needed to do over these last two years. So I need to change my tactic um, and I'm, I'm going to try again. So I thought it was really nice to see him looking in his rear view and seeing her disappear. And then he like guns the bike, you know, and looks towards the yeah. future you know because he has to he has to go yeah. towards gotham so i thought this, that was dope um all right the riddler arthur was this riddler simply john doe from seven from david fincher yes. seven <laughs> this looks like a guy that shaves off his finger, finger fingerprints. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Was this was it homage or was it did y'all jack seven? <laughs> it was was it homage? So I I did like Paul Dano as Riddler. I did think that in order for the Riddler to work, he couldn't be comical in some of the previous iterations of the Riddler where he's, you know, he's wearing suits with question marks all over them. He just puts them in his coffee in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this was another nod or at least acceptance that by Matt Reeves that, okay, the way that I'm presenting this picture it clearly is going to have Nolan comparisons. Mm. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to lean into what it is that I want to do. And this Riddler makes it for me so that you don't need, you don't need a Joker Mm. in this universe Mm. because the, the homicidal, the, you know, the, the, the homicidal maniac, the homicidal, what is it? Manical? Maniacal? How do you uh, say that word? You know what? I don't know how to say it. I know what you're saying, but I don't know how to say that word. I want to say manical too, or man- maniacal yeah. too. Yeah. So let's say maniacal. maniacal. You know, That's those, what it is. Maniacal. Maniacal. Yeah. Maniacal. The <laughs> homicidal, maniacal tendencies of the Riddler. We match. read on that, Unreal, damn it. <laughs> yes, we do. Match Joker level. Mm-hmm. But the only difference is that Riddler really had an agenda. Whereas Joker, he just wants to push. He just wants to flick some switches and watch it all unfold. Right. Watch the world burn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I, I like the last thing I'll say about it is that I appreciated that this Riddler actually made me afraid. Mm -hmm. I you know what? I like that aspect. I like the fact that he was a straight up nutcase serial killer in terms of the sense Mm -hmm. like when you first see him, it's like, ooh. You know, and I think it's always it's always really effective in thrillers like this when you see and this this movie was a thriller. Um, It's always it was a thriller, you know, before it was an action movie. I think it was a thriller even Mm -hmm. Um, at least at least I'll say the first part of this movie. Maybe the second half was more action movie than thriller, but the first half was definitely thriller. Um, And, it you know, it's always effective when you see a very kind of like small person who you know, is not a physical because he even says later, he's like, I'm not a physical person. I'm not, you know, I don't have brute strength like that, like you do talking to Batman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to see somebody that, like that make you afraid, I think that's always a very effective technique in a thriller. And so he did like that first scene and the fact that he just when he attacks the mayor and he attacks um, uh, the D.A. later, he just has this kind of like. A maniacal like you said a maniacal kind of like aspect to him where it's like he can't fight but he can it's like that old you know the 70s saying you know he don't know i don't know karate but i know crazy you know what i'm saying it's like he's yeah. he's just yeah. like out yeah. there and it's like if if this guy ever comes at you you need to take him out quickly because he gonna do anything you know to win the fight mm-hmm. so i like that aspect of him i didn't like though that he was so out there in terms of his, you know, insanity. I didn't, cause I'm like, we he's already got that with, uh-huh. we already got that with Joker. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I need the, I, I like the Batman universes where the Riddler, Penguin, the rest of them, they're, they're a little nutty. Um, and I don't use that phrase. Of, I, I hope that doesn't come off offensively to anybody who's dealing with those issues, but they are a little bit out there, you know, but it's the mm-hmm. Joker who's really, like you said, he just wants to see the world burn. So it, it separates him mm-hmm. from that pact where it's like, Joke or Riddler, uh, Penguin, the rest of them, you can kind of 
not reason with them, but you can deal with them on certain levels. Whereas the Joker, you, he, you, there's right. no reasoning with him. You know what I'm saying? There's no, mm-hmm. like, he's just completely out there, but he's also brilliant. The Joker is brilliant. Mm-hmm. The Joker has all these plans mm-hmm. that turn out and that's what kind mm-hmm. of like, um, makes him the perfect ne- nemesis for the Batman. So I, I like the Riddler in this film, although I just wish he was more, um, more sane than he actually was. I didn't really enjoy the end where he's like, you know, screaming and he's like, you know, uh, borderline. He's he's very close to just like banging his head on the wall. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Mm -hmm. I didn't really dig that. And he did seem a little bit too close to John Doe and seven to me, especially with all the journals and the fact that he turns himself in and, you know, whatever. So but I I liked him and I think we're probably going to see him again. Um, All right. Jim Gordon. Um, How did you like my man Jeffrey Wright in this role and his dynamic? Um, with Batman was this was this the dynamic duo Gordon and Batman in this film okay I feel that they were were the dynamic duo I think that Jeffrey Wright's portrayal of Gordon ticked all of my boxes save for one I thought they got the wig right I thought they got the demeanor right um I thought they got (laughs) the screen time right Mm -hmm. um the problem was I never felt, I kind of felt like Jim Gordon was, was one level above bumbling. Mm, okay. He didn't figure, I, I didn't see him figure any of this out. Mm-hmm. That you take Batman out of it. So, so earlier I said that, hey, this is, this is year three Batman. You know, after this one, after this Riddler thing, you know, mm-hmm. he gains the respect of the police officers. This is a this is a this is a change, a pivot in the relationship with Batman and the police. Mm-hmm. I don't see this Jim Gordon becoming commissioner based on any kind of acts mm-hmm. that he did. He may have been the only one left, but not because <laughs> right. he inspired the leadership of the pol- of the officers under him. It would have mm-hmm. been like, oh wow, yeah, I guess he was right all Do you along. think maybe that's coming in the second film though? Or his spinoff um, series, because I think they're doing a spinoff that's, series. See, that's yeah, what I was HBO thinking more Max. about when I was watching this Gordon. I was watching, I was watching this, thinking about the relationship between this Gordon and this and this new mayor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how like that would play out. And I was thinking about Gotham Police. I'm like, could the police force follow this guy? Were Batman not on the scene? Mm-hmm. It just seemed like Batman was needed on every case that Gordon ever did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Reminiscent, reminiscent of sixties, um, reminiscent of the sixties Batman. <laughs> you know the Batman series in the sixties, where it's like Gordon would call Batman if somebody you know did any jaywalk. Bank, you know, yeah, Robin yeah, Bank. Like, exactly. He exactly, wouldn't even go. Exactly. He would just call Batman, and be like, "Just meet exactly. me there." And it's like, dude, that phone was always ringing. <laughs> yeah, and and I would have I would have appreciated Gordon working a little independently mm-hmm. of Batman. Yeah, I, I, I really like Jeffrey Wright in this role. I mean, Jeffrey Wright is just, you know, mm-hmm. man, he's, I mean, you know, I'm thinking about Felix Leiter and the fact that he was one of the highlights of No Time to Die. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, we know what happened in that film. I I just I just want more of him, you know, and yeah, um, yeah. I thought I, I've only seen the film. I've only seen the Batman once, so I can't remember all of the kind of like quips between him and Batman. But I remember thinking, mm-hmm. This their chemistry and you know the stuff that Jeffrey Wright's cool Jim Gordon saying is some of the best stuff in this movie. And I I really he's I'm I'm thinking he might be my favorite Gordon cinematically that we've seen, even better than uh 
um, Gary, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just, I just, I really like this Jim Gordon. Um, I agree with you in the sense that he didn't do anything spectacular, but he did. I think at, I think at one point, you know, during the um, when they were at the orphanage, he did start piecing things together in, in kind of like in unison with Batman. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I wanted more of him. Um, it did feel there's one thing I wish that I would have gotten. We got it. We got something from uh, Selena Kyle's Catwoman that I didn't think we were going to get. It's her mention of white privilege. Remember when she said to Batman, "Oh yeah, just yeah, a bunch of spoiled yeah. privileged white men, blah blah blah." I don't think that's ever been said in a you know a Batman film. And she mentions Bruce Wayne. Yeah, she, she mentions Bruce it. Wayne, but I didn't. I didn't. You know, these are the times that we live in. It didn't shock me that that was there, but it. I, I had to say note that I've never seen this. You know, in a Batman main. You know, in a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But I wish I would have got something from Jim Gordon. You know, he, he's a black cop. You know, I wish I would have got something yeah. like that from him as well. Like, you know, his position um, as a police officer, as, a, as, a, as we've talked about on this show, we did that episode about it. I wanted some of that. And I was kind of like, mm, we didn't get any of that. Um, so Arthur and I were off about that because I think we predicted we would get something. So I was disappointed in that. But I do. Overall, I liked him. And I think his his duo, they, he was the dynamic. He and Batman were the dynamic duo. I, every mm-hmm. scene that they were in together, I was like, man this was really smart putting them together this much in this movie. And I could actually, mm-hmm. I could actually have dealt with more of them together in this movie. I like seeing them on a crime scene yeah. together um, when they discovered the quote unquote thumb drive, you know, that was, it was just like, you know, just their, their dynamic I thought was really good. Um, One thing I did like just speaking on that and just, cause I know we need to move on. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that Batman never looked down on Gordon. Right. Right. He always saw him as a peer, if not as as as, like Batman lifted up Gordon in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. He, Mm -hmm. you know, not just that he relied on him, um, but that he didn't take for granted that Gordon would always take the hit Mm -hmm. or take the bullet or run interference. This Gordon was running interference constantly through the movie. Constantly. That that started to started to bother me. (laughs) Hey, plot hole, though. Batman punches Gordon leaves you know runs out of the the precinct they shoot at him then the next time they see him nobody's trying to arrest this dude you know the next time they see him at the riddler's place or whatever (laughs) they're just letting him walk around i'm like isn't this dude wanted by the police i'm like what oh okay all right but anyway moving on alfred uh was the relationship do you think arthur the relationship between he and bruce and i think you touched on this or i touched on this a little early Mm -hmm. was that relationship between the two those two compelling enough in this movie no not in my view Agreed. I thought, um, um, again, try not to compare too much, but the relationship between um, Nolan's Alfred and Bruce had much more of a father-son mm-hmm. dynamic mm-hmm. that I think is fully needed in the Bruce Wayne story. Yeah. I mean, here, this Bruce Wayne um, has a lot of, if nothing else, at the very least, has a lot of animosity toward toward this Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, that I felt was unwarranted in the way in the dialogue. Right. Why are you so mad? That's at why him? I didn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I never really. I, I never really got. You know. Well, he. he, and, he um, yeah. He got, He's like. You know. You're not my father. And I think what we were supposed to get is not so much that he's angry at Alfred, but that he's just angry. You know. But mm-hmm. I wanted more. I'm with you. There is. With Michael Caine, you know, um, Alfred. There is that. Even in Batman Begins, there's that sense at the end where he comes to him and he's like, I'm never going to give up on you, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's there's more substance there, even though yeah. there's some tension there between them. 
um, because Alfred is kind of like suspect of this whole Batman thing and what it's doing to Bruce. And in Mm -hmm. this film, he's clearly suspect of that because he sees this dude again coming back after being out all night you know, journaling like a maniac, you know what I'm saying? In his little, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, what, if you watch somebody doing that, especially somebody that you raised essentially, and especially somebody, you know, the trauma they've been through, your antennas are going to be up too. And you can be like, yo man, you, you're, you're really going out there. And if you don't stop, if you don't pull yourself back, there's, you're never going to be able to find your way back. You know, you're just going to be lost out there. Um, so I I thought the disconnect was on the Pattinson side, not on the circus side. I think Andy Serkis, gave enough mm-hmm. of that but i get you know it was a one-sided relationship and i felt that it was it was andy circus it was alfred that gave enough mm-hmm. of the parenting of the caring of the love than Patton did in reciprocating if nothing else just the fact that this man raised him mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it may have just been we needed one more scene or a little bit more dialogue or something. Because um, last time we saw, I think the last time we see Alfred is in the hospital. I think that's the last time we right. see him. Um, right. So I wanted, yeah, I wanted something else to build. And maybe, you know, maybe they had it and they just cut it out for time. But um, I did need a little bit more of that dynamic between the two of them. Um, Penguin, Arthur, is that okay. the best performance in the whole damn film? Penguin. Um, uh, Colin Farrell's you know, I Penguin. Didn't... You know, I got to say, I hadn't considered the best performance in the film. Um, Colin Farrell actually might have it. Actually might have it. I mm. really like John Turturro's portrayal of Falcone. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that I thought that he would I thought that he was cold. I thought that he was lethal. You mm. got all of that. He never he hardly ever raised his voice. <laughs> he was cool as hell. Yeah. It, to me, it's between, in terms of best performance, to me, it's between Totoro and um, Farrell. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like Penguin in this, man. I think the standout, he had a lot of great moments all the way from, you know, mm-hmm. take it easy, sweetheart, you know, all the way from there to yeah. the end. But I, <laughs> probably probably the best to me was uh, after Batman and Gordon kind of like, you know, um, uh, take kidnap him. Yep, yep. And he's just like, he busts them both out. World's greatest detectives. Oh, y'all so smart. You know, am I the only one here to speak Spanish? You know what I'm saying? What's up? <laughs> and then, you know, sauntering off like a penguin. It was just like, I, I was like, they they really, um, they, they it, you know, they had a feel for his character. You could tell in, mm-hmm. in the writing of the film and in the directing. But then Colin Farrell actually, you know, obviously had a great feel for that character and what he wanted to do with him. Um, so I, I, th- I think it works well. And I think he may be getting, if I, if I saw correctly, or maybe it's just a rumor, but I think he may be getting a spinoff film, um, strictly as the penguin. Um, hmm. so I, I, I think it may been, it may have been the best performance in the film, um, from, cause he, he had the rage too, you know, during the car chase, you know, I got you, yeah. I got you, you know, yeah. um, he had the rage and he had, you know, uh, the gangster element. He, I bought him as a gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think it, I think it all worked. Um, okay, so Joker, the Joker scene, basically the Joker cameo at the end. First of all, <sighs> yeah. was that necessary? Do you think? Let me, I don't think it was necessary. I do think it was tastefully done. Mm-hmm. There in Batman Begins, we got a prelude to the Joker in the form of a playing card. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was better. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I think that the way that the Riddler was elevated 
in terms of his psychosis, mm-hmm. that the Riddler and the Joker can't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're kind of, it's almost like they're, they're sort of like allies at this point, but that's not going to work. Somebody's got to kill each other. I mean, they're both just as crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like they cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. I think... Um for me, I, I don't think I agree. I, I don't think it was necessary. If I if I had to bet on this, I would bet that it was probably the studio that said we need to get, you know, a, to, mm-hmm. to lead into another film. We need to get the Joker cameo in here at some point, you know, and I think that because mm-hmm. it, it was wholly unnecessary for this story. You know, it didn't add anything to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't. Is that really the way that, you know, it, it's not like. I didn't need a big reveal for the Joker. Actually, we asked at the beginning of this this episode, did we need this film? And I think we both kind of like said we were open to it. I don't think we needed the Joker this early. You know, we had Mm-mm. obviously we had the iconic, you know, Heath Ledger interpretation. Then Jared Leto, um, even in uh, mm-hmm. the no, the no, uh, Snyder cut of Justice League, there's, you know, Joker mm-hmm. comes in at the end of that film. It's like, let's chill on the Joker for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Let's just hold him off. You know, mm-hmm. let's wait. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need him right mm-hmm. away. Because um, there's certainly no way that Riddler, Joker, and Penguin can exist in a film. I, you know what? I'll disagree with you on that. I'll get to that in a minute, though. But I'll get to that, actually, in Final Thoughts. But I I just didn't need him. Um, and I just felt it was just not a necessary scene. And I agree with you. Again, this kind of echoes back to my earlier thoughts. Because the Riddler is so out there... And he's giggling, you know, kind of crazy, you know, whatever in one cell. And then you got the Joker in the other cell and they're kind of laughing together. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like, oh, OK, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. it's almost like it makes the Joker less special. Um, so you, I, I think that, oh, we can get to this now. I forgot this is the next thing. What are the odds that the sequel films will support Batman's full rogues gallery successfully? Obviously, your answer to that is not good. Like, you no. just don't see that. No, this is why I disagree with you, because. Going into this, and you, I think you said it, maybe I'm making this up, but I think you, or at least you had the trepidation before this film, when we saw it was going to be Catwoman, Penguin, mm-hmm. Riddler, mm-hmm. Uh, Falcone. Mm-hmm. I think you expressed the trepidation of that actually working. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think you did. To me, there are some, you know, kind of things narratively or plot wise, I think necessarily didn't necessarily work in this film, but I have yeah. to say that they made that supporting you know they they were able to support this rogues gallery of those four characters i just named as you know the quote-unquote villains catwoman is more of an anti-hero or whatever but they did it well they interpolated all mm-hmm. these characters mm-hmm. in a way that felt natural this you know it didn't feel like you're just throwing it wasn't spider-man 3 where you're just throwing um you know the old spider-man 3 we're just throwing characters in there it's like why are these why are all these characters in this film it made yeah. sense. And so I have to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt to say that moving forward within, you know, the next couple of movies that they can support, you know, multiple, you know, Riddler, Joker, you know, uh, Ice, you know, uh, Dr. Freeze, mm-hmm. whatever his name is. Um, you know, I, I think they can do it, but you, you still feel you're still you still have your doubts. I mean, again, my big problem is how is how are two homicidal maniacs? gonna coexist mm-hmm. without one trying to kill the other I just or you know traditionally they, they, they though. cancel each other out the way that the way that mm-hmm. see the penguin as a as a as a crime boss mm-hmm. 
that works because his agenda is completely different. Right. Even if, you know, even if, even if to, for the penguin to be like, you know, I'm going to control Gotham or even I'm going to destroy Gotham, mm-hmm. that looks very different than Riddler's, you know, basically <laughs> perimeter Flooding of bombs the city. to flood the city. <laughs> right, right. What this could do, though, and I think they've done this comps before, is that the Joker ends up manipulating Riddler and basically uses the Riddler to further his own aim. Similar to what happened in Dark Knight with Two-Face, you know, which that's actually one of my critiques of that film is that Two-Face felt like he was, you know, shoved into that narrative. Um, so I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. supporting your argument. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see if they are going to uh, occupy the same sides of one coin, I could see the Joker being the superior villain actually manipulating because he already kind of started doing it, you know, at the end of this film, because he's like he gives the Riddler a riddle. You know what I'm saying? He plays his game and it's like, mm. he's kind of like putting him in a position. He's saying, listen, yeah, you effed up this time. It didn't work out for you, but guess what? You know, tomorrow's a brand new day and I got an idea, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I could see that happening, but I do, you know, I, I do feel what you're saying. And I do think um, if they are going to exist in the next film, you know, do, or, or better yet, do we need the Riddler? Cause I could see the next film just being Joker and, and, uh, penguin because penguin story is obviously going to continue um so that's interesting but all right so last one gotham city the city itself so we kind of touched on this throughout this but let's talk um explicitly about the differences and the similarities between this gotham and the one established in nolan's trilogy um such as the look the tone and then the structure you know the societal criminal um and the the political and police structures so how did how did you feel about this gotham visually let's start visually first i felt good about i felt good about this gotham and it almost reminded me of the 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 early matrix films the first matrix film Mm. where it was like all the street references and locations were chicago references like but 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 the city still had some ambiguity like it could have been you know any metro area Mm. it called back to nolan's chicago-based gotham not because it was paying homage to, because that was the Gotham that really worked mm-hmm. visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, um, they shot but it worked for me. They shot B roll, I think, in Chicago in twenty twenty. I think they shot, you know, some of that exterior stuff. And you saw it, he crossed, you know, when he was crossing a bridge once, it was like, Oh, that's clearly, you know, whatever street, you know, yeah. the South Street. Or the or the L station where he first comes out and beats up the yeah. mob, you know, tears up the mob. Yeah, that, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was and it was funny because he, he did something happen on LaSalle Street. And I was like, man, that's that's the same street where Nolan flipped the uh, the semi truck um, in Dark mm. Knight. So there were some things that were a flat callback. I will say this, though, visually, before we move on to the other parts of Gotham, it did to me when I came out and I was talking to my son and his friends about it. It was like Nolan's Gotham was like if Batman actually existed, what would that Gotham city look like realistically, which is why so much yeah. of the dark Knight was just shot in Chicago. And then they kind of mm-hmm. CGI some stuff, but they didn't CGI a lot of it. You know, it's like, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. pure location. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this Gotham felt more like the comic book Gotham. It felt more like, you know, cause it was, there was some parts of it that just felt unreal, you know, in a good way, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Gotham, Square, I think, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the square that you saw a lot felt unreal to me. 
Um, it felt like a comic book, like an image out of a comic book in a, in a, in a, yeah. in a good way. Whereas when they showed Gotham Square Garden, I was like, that's the Thompson Center. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> I know that building. I was just, I, exactly. drove, I drove by there the other day. But yeah, so I, I think that I liked, I enjoyed the the difference between this Gotham and Nolan's Gotham because I like both of them. Um, but this, I was, I was happy to see Reeves kind of create his own thing. And like the scenes that were, you know, clearly shot in, in the UK, you know, it, it added mm-hmm. that different aesthetic, um, to Gotham, um, you know, the graveyard scene. And then a lot of the, um, the stuff, you know, at the courthouse and, you know, the funeral, all, all those things were, you know, if you know anything about architecture, you can look at that and say, yeah, that's, that's, that's UK. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. So I like the kind of the differences there and the tonal difference now. Okay. So tonally though, let's talk about that for a second. It was constantly raining in this film. Mm-hmm. It was definitely, you know, David Fincher seven esque, um, Reeves said he took influences not only from Chinatown, but also from, um, he said he took inspiration from Clute, which mm. surprised me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the tone for this film worked. It did seem at some points I did feel like, man, this is kind of monotone. Like I was like, does the sun ever rise in this city? You know what I'm saying? Is it ever daylight but in there the city? Several- yeah, but there, there was were several daylight. dawn scenes. Yeah, but it looked like, like dark. It was like right. <laughs> I was like, is this, this is daylight, but it still looks like it's dark. So yeah, but um, I I, I liked it, but I mean, I had you know, again, it felt a little monotone to me, but ultimately, I think it worked tonally. Um, what did you think about the the kind of the 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 way they presented Gotham in the terms of it's corrupt and it's you know. Um, people are downtrodden and, you know, people are struggling and there's this wealthy elite, but then there's also this element of corruption within the police and the organized crime is running thing. You know, how did you feel about all that? That didn't really blend too well for me. I kind of thought that there were scenes that needed to establish that, for example, the funeral scene where Mm -hmm. it seemed like the downtrodden were off to the side. They weren't able to you know, get into the aisles or anything like that. You know, the elite walk through toward yeah. the front. And, you know, and then you've got that exchange between Bruce Wayne and and that dude. Uh, <laughs> presumably Don, right, dude, dude who right, winds dude. up being the dude who says, I am vengeance after he's revealed right. as being one of uh, those who are influenced by the Riddler to, you know, mm-hmm. do a shooting spree. Um, so so in those in those ways, it kind of it kind of uh, felt a little forced. Mm-hmm. I think that what would have been better, ironically, what would have been better is if Bruce Wayne were to keep up appearances and were to attend board meetings, were to attend societal events, because then that would give you the opportunity to see Gotham as a functioning city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to these specific things Good point. that were tragedy driven where you just needed people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, one thing that occurred to me as I was watching, and I agree with everything you just said, but additionally, one thing that occurred to me, I was, you know, these type of movies, because the whole Batman or the whole Gotham City is this corrupt, you know, place that kind of like parallels the corruption in our own world, blah, blah, blah. That's been mm-hmm. done. You know, it's been done in the comics. It's been done in the films. It's been done. So at first I was like, I'm kind of over that, but I do, you know, I do understand that that's a, a part of the Batman lore. You know what I'm saying? You really can't yeah. get away from that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, obviously the 60s series and um, I think the, uh, you know, the Joel Schumacher films didn't didn't dive into that. 
but most of the films and like the Batman, the animated series even kind of had an element of that. There's that noir type, you know, corruption, everything is effed mm-hmm. up type feel. But I think I was thinking about it, it's like, you know, it really feels sometimes surfacey to me in the sense of the people speaking about these things. How much of an understanding do they have of what that really looks like, you know, in the in the real world? And I was thinking about um, uh, David Simon with The Wire. This is a guy who spent a lot of time, um, obviously, as a journalist, you know, in those worlds and understanding the layers of corruption and layers of power and how how it relates not only at the top, but also to people who are actually living day to day within that corruption, how it affects their, you know, quote unquote, ordinary lives. And you saw that in The Wire, you know, and you saw that understanding in The Wire of of the nuance and everything. And I kind of wish... I don't know. It's, you know, again, we're talking about film versus TV, so it's kind of not fair, but I kind of want a Batman film, if we're going to keep talking about this, to really show the nuance of that and not just say, oh, yeah, you got all these criminals and they own the police and, you know, you know, and so I I kind of think that that's the job for the for the television television series, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The HBO Max series. Final thoughts before you see it again. I'm sure that you're going to see it again, just like me. But what are your final thoughts at this moment? Well, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I thought that the thing that the concerns that I have, for the most part, um, resolved really well. Um, even the problems that I've talked about, um, while they're 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 still they're still problems for me, I'm mm-hmm. willing to give them a chance. You know, particularly like the Rose Gallery, for example, can everybody be in the mix mm-hmm. in, the, in the next film? I'm willing to give it a chance. Um, I do think it's interesting, and this is probably something that's going to lie at the feet of of the television uh, spinoff, um, and it should happen, is the idea of not only a black police commissioner, but a black mayor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out to her, or Jamie, I forgot her name, but she she really was great in it because she's only 24 years old, man. I just I really? looked up before the end because she, uh-huh. she doesn't look old, but the way she carried herself in this film... I, was, I thought she was a much older woman. So, yeah, shout out to her um, before. Uh, let me give her, find out her actual name. Uh, Jamie Lawson. Yeah, Jamie Lawson. So she she was excellent. But, yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, her and. No, but, yeah, her and Jeffrey Wright. And the fact that Jeffrey Wright saves her. <laughs> After he told her, like, you can't go out there. And she's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And she got shot. <laughs> it's like. You probably should have <laughs> let her go out there, but yeah, I feel you on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was some some uh, some good setup mm-hmm. for what their relationship, working relationship, could be mm-hmm. in, in a spinoff series. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what gets explored there. And I know that that may not be something that Matt Reeves helms episode to episode, but it's within the same universe. Um, I agree with you. Maybe the Riddler does sit out. I did like Paul. You know, there wasn't anybody that I did not like in terms mm-hmm. of their performance. So with that, I felt that this was probably one of the more balanced Batman films mm-hmm. that I've seen in a while, probably since The Dark Knight. I would say I think balance is a really good. I'm glad you said that word. I think that's a really good way to describe this. Um, for me, in terms of final thoughts, I did think this is a balanced film. I do. There's only one thing that kind of threw it off balance, and it's kind of at the end. Not only not the Joker thing, but the whole Batman, you know, throwing up the torch and leading people out, and the I'm going to become a symbol of hope. I felt that mm. that 
made sense to me. It made sense to me that he would understand that vengeance because they call it, it was hilarious how people, the you know, Joker or uh, um, Penguin and uh, even Catwoman at one point, but how different people called him vengeance throughout the movie. Like, yes. you know, <laughs> Penguin was like, come on, like come on, name. vengeance. What's up? You know, it's yeah. like, that was, I thought that <laughs> was, it was, Let's go. right. It was funny, but it was also a reminder to us that that's how everybody looks at him. You know, it's like, he has mm-hmm. this, you know, I am vengeance, you know, and of course, I thought it was appropriate at the end of the film that that's kind of the arc, his character, you know, his narrative arc throughout the story is that, hey, I can't just be vengeance. You know, that's not going to work. And that's why after two years, things are actually getting worse than better is because I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons because I'm out here just, you know, beating the hell out of people mm-hmm. um, and striking fear in people to the point where I help some guy out on the subway. And after I take care of the people who are just about to beat him, he looks at me and says, don't hurt me, you know, because he's that's who I am to everybody. So it made sense that he learned that lesson. But it was a little bit it just felt a little bit forced, I think, when I saw him, you know, that whole extended scene where he's kind of like becoming the symbol of hope. Um, That just felt a little off. That felt a little unbalanced. Um, Batman lives in the shadows. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I enjoyed this film. I, like I said at the top, I need to see it again to kind of really wrap my head around everything. I did feel coming out. I was like, you know what? That probably could have been shorter. Like it was like, did that mm. need, you know what I'm saying? There's never a point in the movie where I felt, you know, where I was like, my interest was like kind of waning or whatever. Um, but it did feel like, I wonder if this, I come out, I came out thinking, I wonder if this could have been tighter. You know, uh, movies are progressively mm-hmm. getting long, you know, blockbuster movies are getting longer and longer. Um, and I'm wondering, should some of these be a little tighter, but, uh, he's, you know, he's created a very interesting world. And I, I think I'm interested in seeing what happens next. Um, especially if he gets to speak about, I'm saying Matt Reeves, if he can, yeah. you know, if, th- if this movie does extremely well, if he can kind of get the, um, uh, the freedom, you know, he had a lot of freedom with this. This was his movie, but if he can get even more freedom to kind of do what he wants to do, he's in a different position than Christopher Nolan was because Batman begins, um, not to say that it wasn't expected to be successful, but I think it really did something that no one expected it to do. You know, it was like, cause you gotta yeah. remember the first, mm-hmm. the previous film, the previous big budget film was I think Batman and Robin, you know? So this film, you know, Batman begins kind of comes out of left field and, it just like, okay, so now with Dark Knight, it's like, dude, do you, you know, and he got, I think the budget grew and then he got, he just had even more freedom mm-hmm. to do what he wanted and, you know, interpret his vision. Mm-hmm. Matt Reeves comes into this, I think with higher, greater expectations. It was like, this needs to be this. So we'll see yeah. um, if it makes the money they wanted to make, if it gets the cultural or the critical acclaim and it becomes, you know, uh, becoming a part of the zeitgeist. Like I think everybody wants it to become, we shall see. So I will probably, I guess we'll probably follow up on this and, upcoming episodes but um and especially after you and i both see it again but for right now i think good good movie good movie um let's just see how it kind of plays out over the next couple of viewings and that is a full lid mad unreal episode 45 this is arthur that is isaac we want to hear back from you uh your thoughts on matt reeves the batman reach out to us on twitter Hashtag Mad Unreal. Coming soon, the return of snobs on film. Watch out for that announcement. And we'll see you next show. Peace. Keep it unreal. <laughs>